0: It's Monday, December 10th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, and we are joined by Blake Wilson, our vice president of operations. And Blake will walk us through Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7.
1: Thanks again, Herbie. It's so good to be back with our team and to continue to dive into the book of Acts. Today, we're going to be in chapter 6 of the book of Acts. And I think it's important for us just to set the stage a little bit before we dive in so that we understand what we're reading and the context of what's happening in the life of the first church. Um, and this was a stage where the the church was growing rapidly. And you can think of a time or maybe an organization or even maybe the church you're involved with um, maybe it's experienced rapid growth. And time an organization experiences growth quickly, there's growing pains. There's transitions that happen and often In times like that, things are going to fall through the cracks. Um, Sometimes assumptions are made that somebody else is going to be taking care of a responsibility. And before you know it, um, you get a complaint. And this is really what has happened in Acts chapter 6 as we look at the first seven verses. There was a complaint that arose, um, and it wasn't of ill intent. It was just truly an organization that was growing so fast, that something fell through the cracks that was important. And we're going to look at how the disciples address this problem and hopefully uh, have some application about how we can apply this to our lives today. So in Acts chapter six verse one, it says, "Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews, because there were widows, their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So, again, think about what's happening here. Um, You've got two groups of people, and I want to clarify, these are both Christians. Both of these groups are believers, um, both the Hellenists and the Hebrews. The Hellenists are going to come from a Greek descent, and the Hebrews, of course, are are Hebrew. So, you've got these two groups of people who are all believers, but they are coming... um, coming to a disagreement because the Greeks feel that the widows um, are not being taken care of. So, I don't believe that this was intentional, but it was due to the growing to the growing church. So, from this food distribution group, they were forced um, to make a decision. So, look at look at how the disciples handled this in verse number 2. It says, "And the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the disciples called this group of believers together. Now keep in mind it's a large number and says, we want you to pick out seven men And these are the characteristics that we want you to look for as you are trying to find somebody to take on this responsibility. The first one that they identify is a good reputation. So they're looking for these seven men, and the first qualification is a good reputation. So these men, keep in mind, all right, they're stepping into an area of ministry that's already been identified as a problem. So the last thing you want would be somebody to step into a position that doesn't have a good reputation because the process of feeding and caring for these widows is already under question. So somebody with a bad reputation would only add fuel to the fire. So the disciples are saying the first thing that we're looking for is somebody that has a good reputation. Secondly, they say we want this person or these men to be full of the Holy Spirit. You know, their life should be a display of, of the fruits of the Spirit. You can read that in Galatians 5.22, but we all know the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things we want to be represented in the lives of these men that are selected to care for the widow. So good reputation. We want them to be full of the Spirit. And then lastly, we want them to be wise. It says full of wisdom. So we want their lives to have a track track record of making wise decisions um, these guys were going to be problem solvers they were going to be um, making decisions serving a large population of the first church so making wise decisions was crucial so you've got these three areas that had to be identified so in verse number five if you, if you pick back up in Acts chapter 6 it says and what they said pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmaeus, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. So I think what is unique and what what we have to point out here are the seven men that were called. The important thing to remember is... That these men were all Greeks. Now, if you remember, what, what was the, what were the group of people that raised the complaint at the beginning? They were the Hellenists, they were the Greeks. So, the same people that brought this, um, this problem before the apostles are the men that have been nominated to serve. So, I think it's important as you look at the way that um, this was handled from the disciples that they identified people from the same descent, from the same people group, to be able to step in and do it with excellence. Because it would have been easy if the Hebrews had been nominated, right? If the Hebrews were called to care for these widows, for the Greeks to to push it back and say, it's because, you know, you're, you're still not caring for them. Here we go on round two. We're still frustrated with the way that the widows are being cared for. But now the, the, the Greeks were going to be serving the Greeks and it was going to be a clean transition so I love the way this this happened and how the disciples handled the navigating of addressing a complaint but allowing the people that brought the complaint to get engaged in ministry you know I, I grew up in a church um, and and I remember many times under the leadership of my dad who was a pastor talking about um, the complaints that would come come through his office door you know, the, the nursery's overcrowded or the senior adults are overlooked or the youth need to take, you know, they need to have more influence in the church or whatever it may be. But how often um, he would push back and say, well, we need you to be part of the solution. We need you to help serving kids. We need you to help get the youth more engaged. We need you to, um, you know, drive the bus for the senior adults, whatever it may be, being part of the solution. So what we see here are the Greeks being part of the solution to um these widows. So there's a key part of this that I don't want to overlook that I think we need to look back on and that is found in verse 2. And you probably caught it as we were as as we were reading. And it says it is not right. This is from the apostles. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. And I think when you read that verse it's easy to say, man, these apostles were conceited, they were entitled, they felt they were too good to serve tables, so they pushed this off on somebody else. And I don't, I don't think that is at all what they were communicating. I think what the apostles knew was the gift of calling. They knew that the Lord had called them to preach the word. They knew that it was their responsibility and this was this was a task that the Lord had called each and every one of them to do. And if they were going to neglect preaching the word, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna be utilizing their gifts the way that the Lord had called them to do. So they understood calling and I think we need to understand calling and this is really outlined if you if you turn further in the book of Acts in chapter thirteen, we can see this play out in the life of Barnabas and Saul. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now they were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So you've got five guys gathered around the scripture says that they were worshiping that they were fasting so you've got five believing men um, in a room together seeking the lord and and the spirit says set apart for me these two so in the group of five that doesn't mean that the other three were not um were not gifted that they didn't have a calling this particular calling was for these two men for barnabas and saul The Lord had a purpose for each and every one of them. This calling is what was going to keep these men on track with the hardships that they were going to face. You know, as you read through Scripture, you can see all the hardships that um, Paul was going to be facing. I mean, he was shipwrecked. He was flogged. He was thrown in prison. You can think about this hard, hard life that he endured. You know, that is from his calling. The Lord... Called him, set him apart because he knew that, that Paul could endure all of these the persecutions. You know, what would have happened if Simeon or Lucius or Menaean would have been the guys in this journey? You know, the Lord had a purpose for them where they were, and he had a purpose for Barnabas and Saul for where they were. So calling is what keeps us on task when the ministry that we're involved with is difficult. You know, it says in Romans that Paul was called to be a, an apostle. Um, you know, there are numerous times in Scripture where we identify calling, but the calling is truly what makes us unique. And, I, you know, I think at Lifeline, as we look around our team, the Lord has truly gifted each and every one of us uniquely. And it takes all of us to further the gospel. Um, it takes social workers. It takes an administrative team. It it takes leaders. It takes counselors. It takes fundraisers. It takes graphic designers. It takes so many people to further the gospel, and the Lord has created such a unique team here. We can't undervalue our position and what we do for the larger picture and the purpose of furthering the gospel. You know, 1 Corinthians is a great passage to go to. Um, in chapter 12, when we look at the the way that the body is created, in 1 Corinthians 12:14 it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong with the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You see, these men were not conceited. They knew their purpose. They knew what they were called to do, and they knew when to say no. They knew that waiting tables, serving widows, was not their calling. They knew the Lord had called them to preach the gospel. So as you look at the way the Lord has shaped you, what has the Lord called you to do? And how can you use that calling to further the gospel? You know, as we round out Acts chapter 6, let's look at the very last verse, in verse number 7, and it says, And the word of God continued to increase. And the word of God continued to increase. This wasn't... um, This wasn't by chance. This was because people were in the right seats. People were serving and using their calling to further the gospel. So that continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. You see, the gospel went forward because people were utilizing their gifts. What started from a complaint ended up being addressed, adaptations were made, and we see the gospel continue to expand. So as we serve together this week, let's look at our role and our calling and how the Lord has shaped us and built us and leveraged that to further the gospel through the ministry of Lifeline.
0: Well, thanks, Blake. And this week we are praying for the country of Dominican Republic. We are praying for uh, Niños de la Luz, the boys' home we partner with in the Dominican Republic. We are praying that the boys who live there will trust Christ as their Savior and know the love of their Heavenly Father. We're praying for the leadership, house parents, and teachers at the home, that they will be strengthened and encouraged in their work and in their walk with the Lord. We're praying for John and Shannon Hazlitt as they continue serving the fatherless in the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, and Southern Sudan. We're praying for wisdom for unadopted to grow and deepen the relationships with the Hazlitts and for doors to open to take caregiver education to Venezuela. We're praying for the church in Dominican Republic that they will be faithful to teach the gospel. And we are praying for missionaries through IMB and IJM and other ministries who have sent missionaries to the Dominican Republic. And we're praying that they will have many opportunities to form relationships and share their faith as well as empower the local church. We're praying for the central authority, Kanani, and families, and praying that uh, they would work to advocate for children as they make decisions that affect children. We're praying for wisdom and creativity for them as they seek to meet the children's needs and also enact better policies to help more families and children be united. We're praying that the Lord will bring mission-minded families that are excited about a five to six month in-country stay in the Dominican Republic. We're praying for our Dominican Republic team, for Wisdom and Grace, for our in-country team, for Madeline Vinyas, our lawyer, for Sheila, our facilitator and our host, and for our Lifetime, Lifeline team here in the United States to have wisdom and patience for Beth and for Farah and for Josh and our unadopted team. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to serve in Dominican Republic, both through our unadopted and international adoption programs. We pray for our partner, Niños de la Luz, that they would have wisdom, uh, that they would have understanding, uh, that they would be able to to just deepen their ministry there in Dominican Republic. We pray for the leadership and the house parents the teachers, that they'd be strengthened, encouraged in their work and their walk in the Lord. We ask that you would uh, come alongside of the boys, and they, they will trust Christ as their Savior and know the love of the Heavenly Father and be able to Learn skills that will take them on to a successful life in Christ in the Dominican Republic. We pray for wisdom for John and Shannon Hazlitt, our partners on the ground, as they serve the fatherless, not only the Dominican Republic, but also in Venezuela and southern Sudan. We pray for missionaries through IMB and IJM and other ministries that they would have opportunities to form relationships and to share the gospel and to empower the local church. Lord, be with Kanani, the central authority, as they advocate for children and make decisions that will ultimately affect the the children of Dominican Republic and for those from Haiti who are seeking asylum in Dominican Republic. We pray for wisdom and creativity for them as they seek to meet these children's needs. And and Lord, we pray that if it could be possible that the five to six-month wait in-country stay could be shortened that it would, but in the meantime, would you bring missional minded families who are excited to serve the Lord in Dominican Republic during their five to six month adoption journey. Be with our in-country team from Madeline and Sheila, as well as our team here on the ground, Beth, Farah, Josh, and Unadopted, as we seek for the best ways to partner uh, for the gospel to vulnerable children in the Dominican Republic. Lord, we ask all these things in your great and glorious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll make sure not to miss our other podcast today, which is Day 10 of Advent on the Defender Podcast, and you can visit lifelinechild.org backslash advent for more information on our 25 days of Advent to be able to download our Advent cards or to get a, a set of Advent cards sent to you in the mail. It's not too late to join, and you can even go back and join us at day one, but especially don't miss Day 10 of Advent today on the Defender Podcast.